Hello, and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. Uh, Damien, you're up this week. What are you bringing to the table today? Yeah, so today I've brought a documentary film of sorts, if you will, um, (laughs) to the table called Between the World and Me. Um, It is what they describe as a page to stage to HBO adaptation of uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' best-selling book by the same name, which came out way back in 2015. Um, And then from there, the book was actually made into the theatrical production at the Apollo Theater, uh, which actually invited Ta-Nehisi Coates to be their first ever master artist in residence a couple of years ago, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, And now we have this version that we've both watched out on Mm -hmm. HBO Max. And so I'm really excited for us to talk about it today. Um, You know, I think there's so much that's incredible about this film, you know, for, for, for one, right? Like there's this all-star cast of folks in it, right? Like folks like Oprah Winfrey, Angela Bassett, Joe Morton, uh, Mahershala Ali, Courtney B. Vance, Yara Shahadi, um, Susan Kalecki-Watson, and and so many others um, who really, I think, like knock it out of the park with their their performances. Um, And then there's also just sort of like this really compelling way that the film uses that cast to perform these powerful readings from the book um, alongside like archival footage from Ta-Nehisi's personal life and animation and music uh, and pictures to to really just bring this book and all of its stories to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the, the film, it's very well done. Um, and because of the way it's done, I think it really provides like a unique way to learn about and be exposed to like these concepts of humanity and the, the black experience in this country. Um, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for us to talk about Between the World and Me today. Uh, and I'm excited to hear what did you think of it? Yeah, I think that this is such a moving kind of adaptation of the book. Yeah. Um, I loved all the different ways that people brought their own voices to the words and stories in the book. Yeah. Um, You know, there's different ways that people found to deliver these stories that were just so excellent. Because mostly it was actors, right? right? Um, Aside from like Angela Davis and then a a poet um, who sort of created a rhyme out of out of the text the piece of the text that he had um but yeah so all all of the delivery of all of it was so moving um and because this was filmed during the pandemic right everybody's at in their own home for the most part yeah um or like outside yes um like susan kalecki watson is on howard's campus yeah and then in a, a park in dc which i recognize that was yes. like, that was a nice little highlight I, was like, I know where that is uh-huh. um so yeah it's so there's this other part of the film that i really loved was uh, um these illustrations by molly crabapple uh yeah um which is so it's kind of this time-lapse painting that she does mm-hmm. um where there's a there's a camera sort of hovering above her table 
uh, in her studio and just recording what she's painting as the sort of narration happens right. of it. And she's done several different kinds of these segments for a variety of organizations and causes, like I think Color of Change yep. and the Equal Justice Institute and, mm-hmm. and a variety of people. But um, I just really like her artwork and the yes. way that that is illustrated and, and tied into sort of the narrative that's being weaved together. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I thought this was just a really excellent and like moving kind of illustration of the book itself. Yeah. yeah. I love that you sort of point out the idea of the the actors and their performances, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I mean I think they they picked the right folks, right? Who really sort of like like showed their chops, if you will, yeah. um, in how they delivered it. I mean, I think every single performance was so moving in so many different ways. And some of that obviously has to do with the words in the book, um, you know, that Ta-Nehisi wrote, but it really is the way in which they deliver that perform their performances that, you know, sort of blew my mind. So, yeah, I appreciated that. I think one of the big things that stood out in the film to me, uh, and it was certainly bolstered again by the, I think the incredible performances of those folks, um, was, was the ways in which we hear about conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but this idea that conditions, uh, the conditions in which folks live in this country, especially folks with marginalized identities are so closely tied to the notion of safety which is of course connected to matters of health and well-being and education and class um, and violence in our communities. Um, and I think to this idea that our physical environments and our institutions like have an impact on our communities as well, right? Like we talked about all of this, I think back in our episode where we read the Washington Post piece uh, on reimagining public safety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one example from the film was the story of, about growing up in Baltimore and Ta-Nehisi being surrounded by guns and fights and knives and crack and disease. And also his story about, you know, being in a 7-Eleven parking lot, you know, where some boys pulled out a gun on him. Um, And then there was another example uh, where there was this discussion about schools being more concerned with compliance by black children than they were with curiosity and and education, right? And sort of what does that mean for, for black children in our society? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that sort of comes to mind is like the comparisons that were made between what, you know, f- we see on TV and in the media um, and what black folks dream about, you know, white suburban neighborhoods are like um, compared to obviously what black neighborhoods are. Um, and I think sort of all of these sort of in concert with, with one another uh were sort of powerful examples of this idea that the conditions in which folks live, right? Like the institutions that serve us, um, where folks live, the ways in which our neighborhoods and our people are resourced or not resourced, like all of that plays a role in in public safety, certainly, but also in terms of like our individual and, and collective experiences in this country that I think connect to our freedom and our dignity and and certainly our liberation. And so, you know, that was sort of one of the, I think a major thread throughout the film that, you know, definitely stood out to me. Yeah. I think that this, like what you just said is I think why the book has received so much praise um, and is, is lifted up as this really great um, work or, or kind of, um, example or illustration or narrative about some of these experiences that while they're not universal, right. They're shared elements to it for, for a lot of folks. Um, 
Right. It's such a profound and succinct story about the conditions yeah. um, that black people exist in in the U.S. Um, sort of all the racism that black folks have to navigate that, you know, white people, we don't even have to think about or consider. Yes, that's it. Um, yep. Yeah. And, you know, this is skipping way through the whole film. Mm. Um, but the beginning of the credits, right, there's this in memoriam section. Ah, uh, yes. Um, with hashtag say their names above it. Um, and so there are 283 names on that list. Mm. And that's 283 people who have been taken in some form or fashion by this country. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, is also not a complete list no. of people. Um, whether recently or, you know, in the last 20 years or, or whatever, it's we know that that's not a complete list. Yeah. Um, it's so many lives that have been violently taken. Um, and so I actually paused it in several moments of that section of the credits to try to like take in some names, um, and see what other stories might be out there that we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. Cause there were lots of names on there that are, um, I think very public in yeah. terms of, um, their story and what's happened, uh, what ha what happened to them and, and the ways that they were taken. Um, but there's so many other names on there that I hadn't heard of or who are not as publicly known. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it, it, the list really hit me. Um, and I was weeping while watching yeah. those names on the screen because it, the impact of all of those names, I think just it was like a gut punch. Um, in ways that like we know those things are happening yeah right and i think just seeing them all together all at once that had had it had a big um i think impact on me in that particular moment i was watching it man i'm really glad you shared that i yeah. actually sort of forgot about that but i watched this before you mm -hmm. right and so i sort of texted you immediately and i said watch to the end like watch the credits and so i had forgotten about it as i was you know we got together here to prepare for that and yeah, that's like the totality of those names sort of together yeah. um, and seeing it there. It was profoundly moving. Um, and so, yeah, that I would encourage folks to stick around to the end and watch the credits mm -hmm. um, for sure. Um, you know, sort of one of the other stories that I think was really powerful for me that I wanted to talk about um, was the story of Tanahisi and his five-year-old son. Um, and their trip to the Upper West Side to, I think they were going to a show or a movie or something yeah, like it that. A, it was a movie. It was a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't quite remember. And um, this white woman put her hands on his son and she pushed him to the side because he was apparently moving too slow. Um, which, you know, if any of you have little ones around in your life, sometimes they move a little slow. Mm. Uh, and we hear about the rage uh, that Ta-Nehisi has about this, and I think rightfully so, right? And how he raises his voice to address the woman in that situation for, for putting her hands on his son. And it plays out in the way that I think this was not going to be surprising for folks that, you know, other white folks would have come to her defense, right? They surround Ta-Nehisi, right, and they're um, sort of defending her. Um, but sort of the, the, the big moment of this is that one of those white folks says to him, I could have you arrested. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we hear about Tanihisi's rage in that moment. We hear about his shame in that moment. Um, and, and, and there's lots of 
there that that shame is complex. Yes. Um, you know, and we hear about you know why he what he ultimately I think wants to teach his son about that moment and and moments like it because I think unfortunately like those are experiences that his son will definitely have. Um, and so, you know, that was just really a, a powerful scene and, and moment for me, right? Like this idea that black folks know that we have to keep a level head, right? Like we have to walk this earth and be, I think Ta-Nehisi says, error free. Um, like it resonated with me so much personally because there have been scenarios where I found myself having to sort of actively think about what I say, you know, how I react, you know, how I behave in situations like this one with white folks and even with white folks who I like and, and are friends with. Like there are moments where I have to like pause yeah. and and collect myself before I sort of um, respond. And so, yeah, like that was just a really powerful scene and part of the film. And um, I sort of wanted to give voice to it here because uh, it really just hit home for me. Yeah, I had a lot of my own reaction to that, I think, for uh, different reasons. Um, but I, I I think as as the story was sort of unfolding, I put myself in his shoes as a dad and yeah. for, for my perspective in my white body. Right. And so I felt rage because I could see that happen to my own child being pushed aside by some random person and, and how angry I would be in that moment. Yeah. Um, right. And then as he continued to describe the scene, I shifted to being like terrified for him. Yep. Um, being surrounded by strange white people who are threatening him with being arrested and, and as he says, taking his body. Right. Um, and then I felt despair when I realized he was talking about sort of the shame and the complexity of the shame and not being ashamed of what he did, but being ashamed that it, what it could have led to. Yes. Um, and realize all the things that he has to keep track of and how those relatively small mistakes right like lashing out at a stranger who does something that crosses a boundary and crosses yeah. a line how much that can have a huge impact to the point where someone's life is taken yep right um and so that that whole scene i also was just it was a roller coaster emotionally mm -hmm. um as well and so i appreciate you sharing that here too yeah um because those are very different kind of reactions that are related in in some ways and and different in our own sort of positions and and how we experience that. Absolutely. Um, one of the other moments in the film that I wanted to talk about for a minute and highlight is uh, Courtney B. Vance is uh, sort of performing, if, if that's the right word. Sure, I'll um, take it. Yeah, this this part of the uh, narrative, uh, and he's talking about nine eleven. Ah, uh, yes, and he's talking about. Uh, his experience in 9-11, um, Coates' experience. Um, and uh, the way he talks about the parallel between the terror of September 11th with the terror that this country has visited upon black people from the very inception of the country is profound, yeah. right? I think it's something that really challenges the sort of unbridled patriotism that I think we witnessed in that moment in history. Um, you know, and he says, I keep thinking about how Southern Manhattan had always been ground zero for us. They auctioned our bodies down there 
in that same devastated and rightly named financial district that was once a burial ground for the auction there. They built a department store on top of part of it. Bin Laden was not the first man to bring terror to that part of the city. I never forgot that, and neither should you. Mm. Um, and I think that moment is one one of the reasons why I think the book and why this film is so vital and so important and I, why I think so many people should watch it. Because yeah. um, it's this direct critique to the white mythology of America um, and these sort of profound values that we have always claimed and never lived up to. And it highlights the ways that we have not lived up to it because, you know, Wall Street was developed, as we talked about, talking about the 1619 Project, yeah. was literally where enslaved people were traded or insurance was then sold to slave owners. Slave owners yep. Uh, in the South for their property, which were people and right. humans. Um, and so this is, it's um, the, the like I said, the way that he parallels the terror between the two things, um, I think is moving. I think it's enlightening. Um, I think it's important um, for people to hear and see and, and feel. Yeah. It's powerful, right? Yeah. Because September 11th is such a profound moment in history for yeah. our country right um but i also think there's I, I love everything about what you said and i think one of the other things that sort of stands out to me about that is right like so he says like i i never forgot that neither should you i think there's so many moments in this film and in the book where he makes these connections to history right and as yes. he's sort of you know this whole book is sort of a letter to his son right like you know rem being reminding his son that you can't forget history Right. Mm -hmm. And history is so important. And we've talked about that on the show, too, that history has seemingly repeated itself and continues to repeat itself. Um, but it's also important for you as a as a, a young person, a black person and really all of us to sort of understand that we should not forget these things. And there's so many moments like that in the in the story that I, I thought are incredible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think sort of related to that for me is as, as something else I appreciated about this film were like the nuggets of wisdom right and and yes. the anecdotes about blackness and black people um that are just all throughout the film and of course the book too and you know i, I just think there are some real gems in there and and i think they are really touching moments to see right from talking about how black people are beautiful the black body is beautiful right to learning about the mecca right and mm -hmm. incredible institutions like howard university with all of its sort of rich history and culture um, is another piece. Like um, there's sort of the unspoken bond and understanding that black folks often have and share with one another. There's a story around the the airport um, that I just thought, I mean, I, I laughed. It was hilarious. Um, you know, and also to like understanding how and why black parents have this obsession like love for their children, yeah. you know, and, and part of that, you know, it speaks to sort of the 283 you say names that we saw on the in the credits right like the reason why black parents have this obsession like love for their children is because you know oftentimes they're taken from us prematurely um, mm -hmm. by our society right and so there are there are just so many rich and beautiful moments and experiences and 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 things like that throughout the film that just were so like touching to sort of experience and see and and also had a lot of 
power to them, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, all right. So I think this is a good place to move on to application, if that mm-hmm. sounds good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I sort of mentioned this earlier, Aaron, but I think one of the most beautiful things about this film is, and you said this too, like the powerful performances of the actors and the artists reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' words. Uh, because I think they elevated them, right? And they brought such richness to them and really evoked some incredible emotion and connection to them, right? Um, and, and you know, we've spoken about humanity here a number of times, but I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this film and the book, certainly. Uh, but to see and hear and feel it in the way that we get to do with this film is just remarkable, Right. And so application of this film for me, centers, I think, centers around the importance of our shared and collective humanity and our shared and collective liberation. Right. Like we are connected as people yes. and the pain and suffering we hear about in this film that black people experience and those conditions in which many black folk live, um, as another example, right, are so clearly tied to our country's problems with white supremacy and anti-blackness and racism and our um, unjust laws and police violence and, and so many other injustices. And I think that has to be rich fuel to keep working and to keep fighting for a better society for all of us, right? So I think the that's the biggest sort of takeaway and piece of application of this film for me. Um, yeah. What about you? I think my, so my application is, is um, a little bit abstract probably oh, okay um, but i think my application is listening with an open mind and an open heart oh. um i think that these are um this feels like a collection of of story because of the way it's delivered yeah right it feels like a collection of stories rather than like Coates's story right um and so i, I think i get a little lost here as I, as I talk about this but um i think you know white folks can dismiss stories like this easily. And I think the ones that he wrote here and brought to life by this amazing cast of people um, can be dismissed. And I think that the, the application is we have to hear these things and, and actually hear them Mm -hmm. to begin to understand sort of the fear and the experiences and the conditions, right. That we've been talking about here. Um, and try to like actually take that in rather than turning away from it. Right. Um, right. So I think, I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that piece about nine 11. Yes. It's cause I think it's a very challenging thing to hear and mm-hmm. to talk about because of how devastating nine 11 is in, in so many people's yes. Right. Psyches. Um, across the country regardless of their like racial identity absolutely um but those atrocities are are also you know there's a connection to the atrocities that the country has also visited upon its own people yes um and so i think we have to be able to take those in we have to be able to listen to that and understand what that try to begin to understand what that means with an open mind and an open heart. And I think that that's a practice that you can continually continue to work on. Yeah. Um, It's not, um, you don't, you know, you you don't just become an expert um, in doing that. It's something you just have to continue to work on. And so I think 
that's my application work here, which feels a little abstract, but it feels also super um, concrete and, and yes. connected. It feels abstract based on what we've watched and read, yes. I think, but it feels very concrete in the sort of like, this is, this, this is the work. This is how the work applies. I absolutely love it. I get what you're saying, but I love it. And I think it's so important, right? And mm -hmm. I talk so much about humanity here. Like I think yeah. the only way to get to our collective humanity is to be doing that work, listening mm -hmm. with an open heart and open mind. And I love that you connect it to the 9-11 story, but I actually think, and I, and I think that has maybe universal connection right because so yeah. many of us and even our folks who weren't born during 9-11 know about 9-11 and right. and can understand the gravity of what that situation is right but the story you shared about being a dad and that connection right yeah. like that is a, per a perfect illustration of to me about what it means to listen with an open martin open mind and open heart mm -hmm. i tried to combine mind and heart there <laughs> um right like this idea that you could put yourself in his shoes and you could understand the rage in which he felt you know with because you're both dads and I mean anybody really can but you have a unique position to do that right. right but then to sort of take a step back and think about oh my goodness mm -hmm. but now I'm I fear I fear for him and I fear for yeah. his safety and I, and like I'm trying to reconcile like what this shame is for him right like that to me was even a that's a beautiful illustration of what it means to apply this to our lives and to do that work so yeah thank you bravo yeah. All right, let's shift. There's enough talking about you. Let's shift over <laughs> to homework. Um, you know, folks, oh my goodness, I am uh, a bit ashamed to admit this, but I never actually finished the book. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned this at the beginning, but, you know, the book came out back in 2015, and I know I started to read it in like 2016, and I picked it up a couple of years ago, I think, but I never finished it. Um, and I don't like that, especially given just how, if you all can't tell, we clearly love this film. This film was wonderful, right? And um, it reminded me of just how phenomenal um, and profound Ta-Nehisi Coates' words and his artistry and his wisdom are. Yeah. Um, and so my homework, which, you know, I, maybe this weekend, like I, right away, I need to finish this book. So that's my mm -hmm. homework. Agree. Yeah, I think I would like to, after watching this, like to revisit the book. And honestly, I'd like to watch this again at some yes. point. Um, another, you know, at some point, another time soon, because um, there's just so much depth and richness here in, again, the performances, um, the the artistry of it. Um, you know, you mentioned the sort of like the photos of um, Coates' like kind of personal life. Yeah. But there's also photos of people that you're like i don't know who that is yeah. like yeah the, right there's just um photos of moments of like sort of black families and, and black joy and, and yes. all this stuff and so it's just very well done very yeah. well edited put together yes. the, the concept all of it is is great not to mention the music too there's some really yeah. dope music throughout it yeah uh, too that you know would be worth going back and listening to and, and watching again mm -hmm. so yeah well, yeah. Okay. We're gonna watch it again. I like it. Um, all right, Aaron, you're up next week. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Yeah. So I'm bringing an article. I, yeah. Um, called White Supremacy Culture. Um, it's written by Tima Okun, who is a white woman um, who's been doing anti-racist anti-racist education work for I think decades. Yeah. Now. I think it'd yeah. be fair to say. Um, 
And this piece collects ideas around the characteristics of white supremacy culture, mm. right? So I think when, when we say that, I think people think of, um, you know, the Klan and they think of, right, there's images in your head and this is is about that, but it's about more than that. Yes. Um, this, you know, these are about ways that our culture is shaped by these concepts of, of white supremacy. Um, these are the unspoken values that guide so much of the society around us, mm. right? There's a lot of vital concepts in here that I think really highlight how much of our world is organized by these unspoken values. Yeah. Um, wow. and I think it really sort of pulls back the curtain in a, a very Wizard of Oz kind of way, um, and names that names the things that I think we can all feel happening in our workplaces or wherever, and it, it gives us language for those things that we couldn't always describe but could sort of feel on a very like sort of basic level. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sounds like an incredible piece. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm excited to read it and and talk about talk about it with you next time that sounds great yeah all right so with that folks we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to interdependent study you know what we want you to do but in case you forgot please follow leave a rating and review share our podcast with the people in your life follow us on social media um, and certainly sign up for our email list to get notified about any new stuff we've got going on behind the scenes yes thank you for listening and remember it's not about us but it is about us And we'll talk to you next week.